We're um, in the middle of Perek Dalad. We are on page 16. And we're holding... Five lines from the bottom where it says, It's always good to recap where we were, especially this week, because uh, we weren't together last week. So Perik Dalit, chapter 4, talks about the levushim of the neshama, the garments of the neshama, the spiritual garments of the neshama, which are machshava, dibur, and maisa, thought, speech, and action. Because all of these uh, faculties, thought, speech, and action, are means by which we express ourselves. When we say ourselves, who are we? I am that which I understand, my perceptions, my subjectivity, my biases, and my likes and my dislikes and my emotions, my feelings. That's who I am. How do I express myself? So I express myself to myself via thought. I express myself to others via speech. And then I express, then it goes even a step further. And my actions reflect that which I'm thinking and that which I'm feeling. So they are um, they're vehicles through which I express myself. And as we talked last week, and normally speaking, in a human context, the levushim are important. Machshava dibar ma'isa, thought, speech, and action are important in as much as they express who I am. So when I'm in a relationship, all the actions matter because they express my emotions. If there is no emotions, then there is no relationship, no matter how many actions I do. An argument can be made that if I do enough actions, I can rekindle the emotions. And in that case, I'll rekindle the relationship. But if we're to honestly assess a relationship, and if there are no emotions, there is no relationship. There is no respect, and there is no, and there is no feelings, there is no relationship. However, as we explained, when it comes to Hashem, it's a little different. That by Hashem, we connect to Hashem through the Levushim, through our thoughts, speech, and actions. In other words, through actually learning Torah, studying Torah, thinking Torah, and doing mitzvahs, all the mitzvahs that are related to thought, speech, and action. And in that way, the Levushim, the Machshavah Dibar are in a way much more important than my feelings and my thoughts, because ultimately the way that I connect to Hashem is through the mitzvahs, it's through acting and through speaking and through thinking, regardless of what I feel, regardless of how I view things, that's how I connect to Hashem. And the reason, the logic behind this, Dr. Rebbe explains, is that the human being cannot connect to an infinite entity like Hashem. It's impossible. It's absolutely... Uh, the thought of it is, is, is laughable, is ridiculous. I don't know if we gave this example last time we were here, but imagine a little bacteria that wants to have a relationship with you. And he thinks to himself, well, how am I going to have the relationship? So if I act, if I behave nice, 
and I'm kind to my fellow bacteria, the human being surely is going to notice me and surely is going to be very proud of me. And uh, we're going to form some sort of meaningful relationship. And us thinking that we can have a relationship with Hashem is even uh, more ludicrous and more ridiculous than that. Because after all, I'm infinite and the bacteria is infinite. As opposed to us and Hashem, where we're absolutely, there is no, there is nothing, there is nothing that, uh, there's no common denominator whatsoever. Yes. <clears throat> So you're asking an interesting question. So you're saying that if I daven and if I don't have kavana, it doesn't mean anything to Hashem. And that's an interesting question because you chose davening as opposed to another mitzvah. For example, putting up a mezuzah or putting on tefillin or eating matzah on Pesach. And there's a difference. Because if I put up a mezuzah or if I put on tefillin and if I, uh, or all the other, if I give tzedakah or all the other mitzvahs that I may do, so even if I don't have kavana, I connect it to Hashem. So what is the function of the kavana? We're going to get to that actually a little later today. But I connect it to Hashem. Mitzvah Yisrichas kavana doesn't mean that if you don't have the kavana, you don't have the mitzvah. First of all, Mitzvah Yisrichas kavana is a machlekes. Yeah. It's not so simple. It's, it's number one. And even and there are many and there are many that hold that, uh, that that's only a... And there are a lot of limitations. But the, even if you say Mitzvah Yisrichas kavana. Sorry to get a little lumbish over here. That's a tanai in the mitzvah. Sometimes you can have a tanai that's ma'akiv. So let's say let's say you're going to argue mitzvah shrikas kavana, which means, and by the way, also what does kavana mean? There are two different types of kavana. There's a kavana klalas. Your actions is for the intent of doing the mitzvah. Okay, but I could do actual intent of doing the mitzvah, but my heart and soul and my mind are all empty within me. In other words, I'm doing it, but in my mind, I'm thinking about the baseball game. Yeah, I'm doing the mitzvah because I have to do a mitzvah. That's mitzvah shrikas kavana. It's according to everyone. Davening is different because the mitzvah of davening, it's a little tangential, but uh, now that you asked it, from where do we know the mitzvah of davening in the Torah? Where does it say to daven? Sorry? No, where's, where in the Torah? Where do we find? The Rambam says, What's the pasuk in the Torah that tells we have to daven? Because it says, whatever, either depending on the different, uh, which means that. There's a mitzvah to serve Hashem with our heart. And the Chachamim, the Gemara says, Ezo what is service of the heart? How do we serve Hashem with our heart? It's tefillah, it's davening. So the essence of davening is serving Hashem with our heart. And the words are only the vehicle for that. In other words, the words are only external to it. So therefore, I believe it's the Rambam who says that someone who davens with at kavana ain't tefillah. And Einat Tefillah doesn't mean that you weren't Yoytzeh. It doesn't mean that you missed out something. There are certain things that we say, for example, a certain tenoyment, that if you daven, the place isn't pure, or isn't clean, or other things. So then you weren't Yoytzeh. Einat Tefillah doesn't mean you weren't Yoytzeh. That means you didn't daven. It's a very different uh, terminology that's used. Shri Chaim Brisker is the one who brings out this point. And he says that when you daven without kavana, you didn't, you didn't do anything. Because the davening, the words, are a vehicle for Avedah Shabalev. The mitzvah is to serve Hashem with your heart. If you didn't have your heart invested, then there was no tefillah. So in that way, davening is different than every other mitzvah. So you asked about davening, and you're right. When it comes to davening, without any kavana, you didn't do anything really. But the other mitzvahs, absolutely. If you did the mitzvah without kavana, you did the mitzvah, you're connected to Hashem. 
It's not. Well, soon we'll see later what the. But that's not. But that's not the kavana. We're talking here about kavana means with love and with fear and with intention, understanding the mitzvah. Very simple. As long as you did the mitzvah, and according to those who show you hold that you have to have kavana, you had a mind. I'm doing it for Hashem. I'm doing this mitzvah. I'm eating matzah not because I'm hungry, but I'm doing it because it's Pesach and Hashem said. Then even if you're eating the matzah, you're thinking about uh, whatever. You're still yetsan. Yes. Right now we're talking about the Nefesh Olakis. The Nefesh Hamas also has garments, and we're going to be learning about that in Mir Tzashem and Perek Vav. Yes. The rabbis taught us he davik b'maasaf shel Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah. Who did? So the rabbi tells you have to do what's how Hashem. So why you need kavana? Why? Uh, why everything else? Because the rabbi said you have to do it because he is like this. You want to be serve Hashem? Do what he does. We we'll be Hashem? answering that question today. Today, in today's class, we'll be answering that question. Okay. Yes, you had a question. Kavana in the words. You have, in other words, a kavana that you're davening to Hashem and you're asking for your needs. And um, but if you don't need <clears> So you can have a kavana klalos. If you don't know the actual meaning of every word, you can have. So you have in mind that you're supplicating Hashem and that you're. Um... Okay, but this is again. This is a. This is. <laughs> but he's. But he's right. You learned What happens? I'm asking. For fifty years, so you have to know what you're doing. Not one day or two days. All right, let's get. So based on this idea, that when it comes to our relationship with Hashem, what's important is the action. Or the speech, in other words, the levushim. Not so much where your heart is and where your mind is, but the actually the levushim is what connect you with Hashem. And why is that? Because I, with my powers, can't connect to Hashem. Hashem, in His infinite kindness, He gave us 613 tools through which we can connect to Him. And not because that makes any sense that we can connect to Him, but because that's a chesed of Hashem, that He personally inserted himself in the Torah and the mitzvahs <coughs> and therefore and thereby allowed us that when we learn Torah and we do mitzvahs that we are actually grasping Hashem and connecting Hashem so we can understand something else something interesting we know that one of the principles of Yiddishkeit is that that this Torah that we have will never be exchanged for another one the mitzvahs that we have that's the mitzvahs that are that, the, that, they, that they were and they will always be there will never be another Torah, there will never be another mitzvah. And the Mepharshim and the Rambam, they speak about this. And the question is, why? Why is this such an important belief? Even if it's true, why is it important? Why is it important to believe that the, the, the Torah will never be exchanged? By way of example, if you have um, <clears throat> a parent... And when a kid is young, he gives the child a certain set of instructions which are age-appropriate. Then as the child grows older, then the parent will uh, revise the instructions based on the need of the children. And the instructions will be different. And then when the child grows older yet, then he'll have a third set of instructions. So why, what, what would be wrong with believing that at a certain point in time, the Abishter will decide that now 
based on our current needs, whether we become older, maybe we maybe we become lesser or younger, we need a new set of instructions. And as I said earlier, even if you're going to argue and say that this is the way it is, there is not going to be Hashem decided that. Okay, I accept that. I accept this as a fact. But why is it a principle in Yiddishkeit? Why is it one of the thirteen ikrim? A lot of you know a lot, a lot of things that we believe that aren't uh, principles of our faith. We believe that Hashem uh, created the world in six days and He rested on the seventh. But we, there's no animamin Hashem bara soelam yamin that Hashem created. I believe that Hashem created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. It's an important belief, but it's not a foundational belief. In other words, it's not as if the whole body, the whole the whole structure of Torah mitzvahs is resting on that belief. We believe that Eretz Yisrael is a very holy land, but it's not one of the thirteen uh, articles of uh, of faith. And Imamin so even if you're going to make an argument and you're going to say that it is correct that there never will be a Torah for whatever reason, we still need to understand why is that so important? Why is that one of the 13 Ikram? But based on what we're learning, sorry? Well, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> during our history since we've been in exile, we've been pressured by other people who told us that they replaced the fact that certain the fact that certain people or certain groups of people say something that's wrong doesn't mean that we have to automatically and knee-jerk reject everything because they're wrong. For example, some people who believe, you know, if you go out to the world and people who aren't from, you talk to them about Messiah or Mashiach, like that's a Christian concept. We Jews don't believe in Messiah. Christians believe in Messiah. We don't. You know, the fact that the Christians believe in Messiah doesn't change. Right, but the, but the fact that the Christians believe in it doesn't make it wrong. In other words, they have the wrong person, but the concept is correct. So you can say the same thing. They have the wrong. They say that Hashem changed the Torah, into the New Testament. They're wrong, but there will be one day. The fact that they're wrong about it doesn't mean that the concept has to be wrong. But where does this? Where does the thought, the idea, the notion that Hashem could change Torah mitzvahs or should change Torah mitzvahs? Where does that come from? That comes from a misunderstanding of the essence of what mitzvahs are. Going back to the example that we gave, when a parent gives instructions to the child, it's because the child needs to behave in a certain fashion. The child grows a little older, and suddenly a different uh, code of behavior becomes appropriate for the, the grown child. So some of us look at mitzvahs in the same way. Hashem created a world, and then he said, oh, okay, so here's an appropriate code of conduct for this world. If that's what mitzvahs are, an appropriate code of conduct, then uh, it's possible that that code of conduct could one day be uh, amended or changed based on the needs. You can make revisions. Based on the circumstances. How many times has the Constitution been amended? That was very good for that time when the Constitution was made. But then there's uh, one amendment after another as the times change and circumstances changes and understandings change and needs change. But Torah essentially it's not about a code of conduct to keep us in the straight and steady it's not even about a code of conduct that makes us holy and spiritual Torah is the way we connect to Hashem Torah as we do, as we're learning over here Torah is Hashem's wisdom which is one with Hashem and the mitzvahs are Hashem's will Hashem's ratzen which is one with Hashem for Torah and mitzvahs to change means that Hashem changes. And just like Hashem can change, Torah and mitzvahs can change.
The beauty of Torah mitzvahs is, is this is Hashem Himself investing Himself in Torah mitzvahs and giving Himself to us and saying, here, here I am, connect to me. When you do a mitzvah, you're connecting to me because this is my will. This is who I am. This is what I want. When you learn Torah, this is my wisdom. You're connecting to me. There are avenues of connection to Hashem. And just like it's inconceivable to think that Hashem should change, it's inconceivable to think that Torah mitzvahs should change. So it's a paradigm shift in the way we look at Torah mitzvahs. It's not about just a practical um, you know, way of, way of behaving. And this also explains something else. Something which, you know, for those of us who grew up from, it's something that we're used to, something uh, part of uh, our way of life, and uh, we have no issue with it. But especially people from the outside, they find it very difficult to relate to the idea of how Torah mitzvah is obsessed with details. Absolutely obsessed with details. So if I lit the Shabbos candles at 4.20, then I did a mitzvah and I accomplished the most unbelievable, holy, spiritual things I connected to Hashem. If I lit the Shabbos candles 20 minutes later, I'm liable to be killed for that. I'm a good Jew. I have good intentions. I want to honor Hashem. Does it really make a difference if it's 4.20 or if it's 4.40? So I brought in my, I bring in my tefillin to the cipher, and he tells me, with all your good intentions, and though you paid $2,000 for this tefillin, but unfortunately, one of the little legs of one of the hays got cut off. I'm sorry to say you haven't done the mitzvah of tefillin for the last few months. What do you mean I have? I wanted, and I tried, and I had the best of intentions, and I'm a holy Jew. Have I done the mitzvah? Why is, why, another, by way of example, if, um, going back to the usual examples we give in a relationship, imagine you come home one night, and your wife prepares for you a six course meal. First course, delicious, second course, third course. Comes to the main course, delicious, uh, she made with a lot of effort and decorated the, the plate with meat and with uh, vegetables and whatever. Filet mignon. Meat is a little, you take a little of the rice here. Huh? Ah. The rice is missing salt. Have a nice day. The whole meal is worthless because the rice is missing some salt. Imagine that. But isn't that what you described says so many times over and over again? You did the mitzvah, you did did 99% of the way. If there's one detail missing, it's not that you did 99% of the mitzvah. You did zero of the mitzvah. And that's even if it was by mistake. And that's even if it was because you didn't have an option, you didn't have a choice, you were onus, let's say. Which even though that we know that... uh, that if you you know if it wasn't your fault, so the Abishter doesn't uh, fault you for it. The Gemara says, At the end of the day, even if the reason why you didn't do a mitzvah is because of an unavoidable circumstance, it's not as if you did the mitzvah. Hashem will reward you, by the way, for the effort. And Rahman Alibaboy, the Abishter appreciates your effort. 
But the mitzvah you didn't do. You didn't connect Hashem. And why is that? Which makes so little sense. But again, let's go back to what we were talking about last week or two weeks ago. In human relationships, the main thing is the love. The main thing is the feeling. The main thing is the passion. The main thing is the respect. And the dinner is only an expression of that. So therefore, there was a little mistake, there was a little nothing. What's the big deal? The love is complete. And ultimately, the relationship is not about the potatoes, but the love that went into the potatoes. But as we explained by the Eberster, it's not that way. You don't relate to Hashem through your love. You can love the Eberster from today to tomorrow. That doesn't make a connection. Because you and the Eberster, the gulf that separates the gvul and the bleakvul, the finite from the infinite, is unbridgeable by our own powers. Me loving Hashem doesn't mean anything. The only way I connect to Hashem is when I use the tools that He gave me, which is Torah Mitzvahs. And those tools are precise. And if I, if I do it the way the Eibishter said, then I connect to Hashem. If I don't do it the way the Eibishter says, I missed out on the connection. So I'm a very holy person, I'm a very spiritual person. And I feel uplifted. But the connection to Hashem can only come on His terms, not on mine. And those are His terms. And that's a basic misunderstanding of the nature of our relationship with Hashem. That if we view ourselves as somewhat equals to Hashem, so then what really matters is our love. But if we're to understand that our love can't bridge that gap, and the only way we can do it is how the way the Eberster, with his infinite kindness, how he invested himself in Torah and in mitzvahs. And when I learn Torah, when I do a mitzvah, that's how I connect Hashem, and that's why every detail matters. You have to understand something else. There's another detail over here. I need food. Because I'm a human being, right? I need food. The husband whose wife made him six courses, he needs food. With the salt, without the salt. How uh, important is the salt? Does Hashem need your tefillin? It's only important because Hashem decided. And that's why every detail is important. Because it itself doesn't mean anything. Taking boxes and putting it on your hands and on your on your arm and on your head doesn't mean anything. It's only important because the Eberster made it important. Because Hashem made it important. And Hashem said it's important when it's done precisely the way I want it to be done. But this takes us back now. And now we look at, now we have to, you know, swing the pendulum back in the other direction. So why is it important to love Hashem? Why is my why are my why is my seichel important? Why is it important for me to learn Tanya and understand about Hashem's greatness? Why is it important for me to have feelings and passion and enthusiasm and a chayis and a simcha when doing mitzvahs? If the main thing is that I should do a mitzvah, then what's it make a difference? What does it make a difference whether or not Everything that's going on is irrelevant. The connection to Hashem is done through doing, through wearing the tzitzis, through lighting the Shabbos candles, through giving the tzedakah. Why put in the effort? Why is it important? And what's the answer? The answer is that when I do a mitzvah, I connect to Hashem. 
through my through my machshava de through my thought, speech, and action. But am I connected to Hashem? Do I experience that connection? Do I feel that connection? Do I relate to that connection? The me, my feelings, my seichel, my midas, my understanding, my perceptions, are they part of that relationship or are they left outside of the relationship? If I'm doing a mitzvah, so I'm connected, so let's say, uh, whatever mitzvah is, lighting Shabbos candles, I'm connected to Hashem. But if my heart is elsewhere, my heart is not experiencing this connection. My heart is not part of this connection. If my mind is elsewhere, then my mind is not experiencing this connection. So what's connected? My hands. <laughs> and the connection in my hands is a 100% absolute real connection to Hashem. But the problem is, I am left behind. The external part of me is being connected to Hashem. How about the internal parts of me? My machshava dibramaisa is connecting to Hashem. My thoughts are connecting to Hashem. My speech is connecting to Hashem. My actions is connecting to Hashem. But where am I? When I understand the Torah, when I use my seichel to understand Torah, then what happens over here? The connection is made through the speaking. But the main thing is the main the main mitzvah of Limda Tayra is, is in Dibur. Uh, but if so then you would then you don't make a Birchasatayra. No, not if you're only thinking. Chaim Hamlum Mitzoeim Bapad, the mitzvah is that you have to you have to you have to say it verbally. From now on. The Iker mitzvah, there is there's there's two things. There's mitzvahs, Limadatayra, there's mitzvahs, Yidiya Satayra, it's two different mitzvahs. Yediyah Satayra is in the mind, but the mitzvah of limitat Torah is, is, is speaking. So when I am learning Torah, I'm connecting to Hashem through my speech. When my mind is invested in this Torah study, because by the way, I don't, my mind doesn't have to be invested. I can take out a chumash and read. And I'm Yitzhah, the mitzvah of limitat Torah. That's the halacha, that when you're reading Torah Shabbik Sav, not Gemara. Gemara, if you read it, you understand what you're saying, and you didn't do anything. The Chavdalad, the 24 books of Torah, if I take it and I read them, even if I don't understand the word of what I'm saying, I was Yoytza, the mitzvah of Limit Torah. The healing also? I think so. Actually, the Gemara even says that David HaMelech had a special request of Hashem that the healing should be considered like the highest level of Limit Torah. So, I could learn Torah, and what, so if I'm reading Chumash, I'm connected to Hashem. I'm doing a mitzvah. My my speech is right. I'm, via my speech, I'm connected to Hashem. But when my mind is invested in this learning, then what's happening is, is that through the Dibur, my mind is being connected to Hashem. But you have to use your mind. Yeah. When I do a mitzvah, yeah. and my heart is invested in this mitzvah, I love Hashem then through the mitzvah, my heart becomes connected to Hashem. So what we have over here, through understanding Hashem, through investing our minds in Torah and understanding Hashem, and when we invest our hearts in Aves Hashem, Yiras Hashem, then the person becomes 100% completely connected to Hashem. 
the connection is to the Levushim. And when the Seichel and the Midas are invested in the Levushim of Torah Mitzvahs, then everything is connected to Hashem. Meaning the Seichel on Midas is me. Let's put it in simple words. My, my, my intellect and my emotions is me. Because it's me, it can't connect me to Hashem. My, that my actions, the mitzvahs, connect me to Hashem. But not necessarily is the me completely in there. When you put the two together, then you have me completely connected. The connection is through the mitzvahs, because those are the tools to which we connect to Hashem. And when I'm investing my mind and my heart in the mitzvahs, then the me becomes part of this connection, part and parcel, and we have a complete person who from head to foot so is totally connected to Hashem from the, the, the mind and the heart and the thought and the speech and the action completely as a package is completely connected to Hashem. But you said the Kimah is fully fulfilled, but you're still not connected to Hashem as far as your mind or the me, the ich. When you do a mitzvah, you created the connection 100%. So but that connection, it's not revealed in you. You're not experiencing it. Who is the you? The you is your mind, your heart. You're not, it's not revealed in you. In your, in your experience, you're not connected. It's, it's so to say, it's an external to you because you're somewhere else. Your mind and heart are elsewhere. But you still have, you have merits, you have to We're not worried about schar. Schar is not... The consequence is whether you're connected or not. not the, that's the schar. In, you know, in Chabad, the, the word schar doesn't appear very often. No, that's not the... Full, full <clears throat> fulfillment of the mitzvah. Full fulfillment and full connection. No He's thinking about the Yankees, whatever it is, a baseball game. Mission yeah, accomplished. Now you're there's a problem here. There's a serious problem here. The serious problem is that the connection is 100%, but I'm not experiencing it. Me, my mind, and my heart are apart from that connection, although the connection was made. You know, it's interesting. This really, this uh, juxtaposition, what's more important? You know, the mind and the heart and the spiritual service of Hashem or the actual practical? So this plays itself out in the story of the Miraglam, the spies that went to Eretz Yisrael, and then subsequent to that, the next story in the Torah, which is the story about Kairach. And Chassidus explained that why is it that the spies didn't want to enter Eretz Yisrael? Not only the spies, the whole generation, they came back. You know, we're talking here about spiritual giants. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't choose people who were... Uh, you know, who were lowlifes, and as Rashi says over there, they were kshayrim, kulam anashim, they were, they were men of stature, and in general, the entire generation of Eden at that time were holy people. They're called in Kabbalah, a a generation of knowledge. These were the Talmidim of Moshe Rabbeinu. They experienced, they, they heard Hashem by Har Sinai. They heard the, the, the Aseris Hadibris. And the silliness that they should think that Hashem can't they experienced the ten, the ten makis and the kriyas yamsuf, and that they should think that Hashem can't, doesn't have the power to bring the yidden into Israel. Even for simple people, it's silly, and especially considering that these were people of uh, again of spiritual stature. 
we've mentioned in the past that as Yidin, we believe in Yeridas Hadiris. We believe that we don't reach the ankles. We don't reach the ankles of these uh, of these people. In fact, there's a Gemara in, uh, in Baba Basra. And the fantastic stories of Rabba Barbarhana, if anyone's familiar with them over here, where he talks about an encounter he had with the dead of the Midbar. And he talks over there about how tall they were, that he didn't even reach, uh, he was able to, they were lying on the ground, and basically they were able to go with their horse, with the spear underneath the, the, oops, the uplifted uh, um, knee of one of them. And the Mepharshim explained, I believe it's the Masha over there, this is talking about the incredible how this the, the physical height doesn't have to be taken literally, but this is a metaphor for their spiritual height and how much greater they were than us. So how was it that they weren't ready to go into Eretz Yisrael? So it's actually the Alter Rebbe who explains on Kutyatera. He says they didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. They were very happy where they were. They were in the desert, and they were surrounded by the Nani covered the clouds of glory. They had mon. Right, they were sitting in Koilu precisely, but a Koilu that paid well, <laughs> and their wives didn't have to work either, <laughs> right? And everything, their clothes grew with them. They had water and they had food and they had meat, and they had provisions. They were they were all wealthy because they all took had taken plenty of uh, stuff and gold and silver out of Mitzrayim. And it's not that they were lazy to work Chas Shalom. They were enjoying an incredible experience of Kedusha. They were davening and learning a whole day, communing with Hashem. And they're like, we should go now to to, to Eretz Yisrael, we're going to have to plow, we're going to have to plant, we're going to have to harvest. It's ridiculous. It's going to be with Torah. And they said, Eretz Eichelas Yishveha. It's a land that eats up its inhabitant, inhabitants. In other words, the, the Eretz, the land, the earthiness, the Gashmias consumes its inhabitants. We're going to become earth people. Instead of, now we're heaven people, we're going to become earth people. And they felt that even Hashem couldn't conquer the land. In other words, this idea that to conquer the land and they should be in the land and they should be involved in the land and in commerce and in agriculture and still remain connected to Hashem they said, this is, this is, this is nimna hanam noise. It's impossible. Impossible. And that was an awful mistake. The only, one who got, the only ones who got it right were the women. The women. Because women are bottom line. This is what I mean. You want to sit here, you want to daven, you want to learn. What is that all about? There are mitzvahs to be done. And the mitzvahs you can only do in Eretz Yisrael. How many mitzvahs are there that are tluyas, ba'aretz, that, that we can't be doing over here, that we're in... And at the end of the day, how do we connect Hashem? Not by sitting and davening and and we connect Hashem through the mitzvahs. We got to go into Eretz Yisrael. History shows that they were right. They, uh, once they came into the land, they they you know they turned away. Some of them, some generations. You can't make a general rule, but yes, definitely the land came with challenges. But there were also generations that were holy. Yeshua's generation was holy. In other words, do we have the ability? A challenge means that sometimes we might fail, but we, de- we definitely have the ability to be in the land and still be holy people. But the, and the interesting thing is that when viewed from this way, what Hashem told them wasn't a punishment. Hashem said, you guys want to stay in the desert? You don't want to go into Eretz Yisrael? Okay. Have it your way, <laughs> okay? Stay here. And Taka, they stayed there for another 40 years. It was less of a punishment than they were just saying, I'm disappointed. 
That's not the way it should be. You should want to do what I wanted you to do, which is mitzvahs, and that's the ultimate connection to Hashem. But at the same time, if that's what you want, sometimes and sometimes Debishter gives rats and that which they desire. What's the next story? The next story says in the Torah is that Kairach comes. And what is Kairach's argument? Kairach comes to tell Zemesha and says, I don't get it. We're all holy. Hashem is with us, is, is amongst us all. Why are you, uh, who are you to elevate yourself and to think that you're so great and holy? Meaning to say, Moshe, you just got all upset at us and you said that we have to go into Eretz Yisrael. The main thing is to go into Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because the main thing is the deed. The main thing is the mitzvah. If the main thing is the mitzvah, the main thing is the giving the tzedakah and the putting on the film, then who are you? What makes you greater than every other yid? What is, what? That's a legitimate complaint, right? Yeah. And Kairach wasn't a stama garnished. You know, it's a, Kairach was, uh, it says, he was one of the people carried the Aaron. He was a Navi. And he had, he, he had a legitimate complaint. You're telling me that we shouldn't be here because it's not all about attaining those spiritual heights because as long as you're attaining spiritual heights, you're all living within yourself. The only way to truly connect Hashem is the actual Maisa Mitzvah is doing something. If so, then there should be no hierarchy. Because when it comes to Kiyama Mitzvahs, when it comes to actually doing a Mitzvah, every single Yid is the same. Every single Yid puts on Tefillin. which has the potential to put on Tefillin. And to give Tzedakah. And to do every other, put up a mezuzah and do all the other Mitzvahs and bench or whatever else it may be. This was taking it to the other extreme. So the Miraglim, they wanted to live in the, they, they wanted to live in the world of spirituality. And when that was rejected by Moshe, comes along Kairach and says, okay, then let's live in the world of the material. Let's talk about it. It's all about the action. The action. And Moshe's response was, Boiker v'yoyda Hashem. In the morning, Hashem will uh, let us know. And the Rebbe explains, what is Boiker v'yoyda? What's the morning have to do with this? The morning is when it becomes light. And this Moshe was alluding to the fact that you can be connected to Hashem, but you can be in the dark. Be connected to Hashem. I told you the story about the goat last week? What? Did I tell you the story about the goat? No. No? There was this... Uh, you know that there's a halacha that when an animal gives birth to a bechayr, if it's belong, owned by a Yid, so in times of the Besam Mikdash, so the animal had to be brought to the Besam Mikdash and brought as a carpet and it was eaten by the Koyin. But today, it's a, there is no Besam Mikdash, there is no, uh, no Karbanas. So theoretically, if a Yid owns a cattle, an animal, which has a Bechayr, it's a problem. Practically, it doesn't happen because there's, uh, just like we do Mechir as Chametz, so there's a Shtar, you sell a portion of the mother to a Goy, as long as a guy has a small uh, percentage, owns a small percentage, then the child, then the baby already is in the Bechir. But what happened in Lubavitch, in the city of Lubavitch, there was a mistake, and a Bechir was born to a Jew, an animal Bechir. Now, according to Halacha, this animal, you can't do anything with it. You can't work with it. You can't shear it. You can't milk it. You have to let it run wild. And if and when it, be, it gets a mum, if and when it gets a, 
blemish. a blemish which 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 uh, invalidates it from being a carbon. So then 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 you could shecht it and eat it. But till then, there's nothing you can do with it because it's holy. Yeah, it's kedusha. So the story is told that there was a chassid who actually later on became um, <clears throat> a famous chassid. But when he was younger, he was a troublemaker. Happens a lot of times, you know, the the little troublemakers, they become mentioned and they use that energy in a positive way. So he thought he was going to have fun with this goat. Now this goat stunk because it wasn't washed, it wasn't shorn, so it was running everywhere and it's uh, it's um, it's wool got filled with uh, with dirt and with, with uh, whatever. And he decided that he's bringing this goat into the base medrash in Lubavitch and Yeshiva <laughs> to have a little fun. And he did that. He got kicked out of Yeshiva for that also. But uh, as the story is told, he got back in eventually. But as the story is told, the Mashpia, when the Mashpia saw the goat, Mashpia told the goat, Sigala, Sigala, goat, goat, Heiluk Bistu, Abrishtinkin Stinksta. You may be holy, but you stink. And what Moshe was telling Kairach is, you may be holy when you do mitzvahs, but it's dark. The holiness is not expressed within. You need a, you need a Moshe Rabbeinu. You're coming and saying you don't need a Moshe Rabbeinu. You need a Moshe Rabbeinu to make it light. You need a tzaddik. You need a hierarchy because you have to realize that there's people who are higher than you who can elevate you and make that the entirety of you should become part of and imbued in that relationship with Hashem. And that's the two extremes that we have over here. On the one hand, my mind and my heart on their own are meaningless. They don't connect me to Hashem when I say meaningless. If, my, if, if I have an edel, a refined mind and heart, then I'm a wonderful, beautiful human being. But to Hashem, there is, there's no connection to Hashem. My mind and heart don't connect me to Hashem. I connect to Hashem through the mitzvahs. But when my mind and heart are invested in the mitzvahs, then all of me is connected to Hashem. Not only is my hands connected, my feet connected, but all of me becomes light, oyer, and all of me becomes connected to Hashem. And that's the juxtaposition. And you know, in, in Lubavitch, so uh, we're into Mitzvahim. You know, the Rebbe says, you see a Jew, he didn't do a mitzvah, go do a mitzvah with him. Doesn't do it. It's Hanukkah, go light Hanukkah minayir with another yid. Go put on film with another yid. Go... Whatever the whatever it may be, mezuzah, whatever it may be, kashrus, any small mitzvah. And there's some people who look at the chassidus chabad and this deep, um, the preoccupation with 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 uh, with the mind and with the heart, and understanding Hashem, and that that understanding should become part of the person's um, emotions and should lead to a fear of Hashem and a love of Hashem. And then they see the going and putting on film with a yid, and like they don't see where's how does the where does this person, where does this Chabad, which is mind and heart, how does that translate into, into knocking a mezuzah on someone else's door? A person who, when they, that, that there is no, that, that person doesn't have no mind and no heart in terms of Torah mitzvahs. How does that, how is that compatible with Chabad? But the answer to that is in here, is in this chapter. Of course you have to have Chabad. But Chabad is step number two, that's not step number one. Step number one is establish the connection. And the connection is through the mitzvah. And that connection is intrinsically valuable. Meaning, a mitzvah without a mezuzah, without the kavan is valuable. The kavan without the mezuzah is not. However, once you have the mitzvah, the ultimate ideal is that to have the kavana, the intention and the ava, the love of Hashem and the understanding, all that should be in there also, and thereby the entirety of the person is connected to Hashem. And with that, let's, uh, let's go, let's turn inside a little. Again, page 16. Um...
five lines from the bottom. The last word in the line, Omeachar. Excuse me. Omeachar, and because Shateiro mitzvah seham malbishim kol eser bechinas hanefesh. When the Torah mitzvahs encompass all the ten components of the soul, in other words, that one's the three components, intellectual faculties, and the seven emotional faculties of the neshama are invested in Torah mitzvahs. V'chol tayage vereha, and all 613 components of the neshama are again, are invested in Torah mitzvahs. Meresh vadragla, from the head of the neshama to the foot of the neshama. Then the entirety of the neshama is tied up and connected in the bundle of life together with Hashem, literally. And the light of Hashem literally encompasses the neshama and uh, encloses the neshama from the person's head to the person's foot. This is the Torah that we have. This is the, this is the kindness that Hashem did for us. Imagine that we can be connected to Hashem with every fiber of our soul, our seichel, our midas, our machshava dibermaisa. He gave us avasoyla with incredible love. He gave us Torah mitzvahs whereby we can connect to Him completely and totally. as it says in the pasuk, Tzuri Hashem is my rock, I take shelter in him. In other words, my entirety is encompassed and sheltered by Hashem. And it says, Katsina like a shield. Ratzayin, Hashem's goodwill ta'atrenu, surrounds us. This is a reference to Hashem's will and his um, wisdom, which is in Torah and Mitzvahs, which encompasses the person who is involved in Torah and Mitzvahs. Hashem's will and wisdom, which as we learned in the earlier chapters, are absolutely and totally indivisible and one with Hashem Himself. And what this Dalte Rebbe is going to explain, by the way, you have the answer to your question? Oh, who's the one who's asked the question? I said it's going to be answered today. You have the answer to your question? Good. Now we're going to turn to your, uh, where you talk about Schar. So Dalte Rebbe is going to turn, it says in Pirkei therefore, Chazal Talas, Yafesh, Achas. Better one hour of Tshuva, Maisim Toivim, of Tshuva and good deeds, Ba'ilam Hazam, Ba'kolchayilam Haba. More than the entire world to come. This is strange. You understand? There are people who live their whole world over here to get Olam Haba for the Schar. And comes along Pirkei Yavis and says, you're messed up. You have your priorities messed up. This world is better. It's better to spend an hour doing, to, an hour, if you translate, of Torah Mitzvah over here is better than the whole Olam Haba. Not, we're, not, we're not saying, we're not comparing apples to apples. We're not saying one hour of Torah Mitzvah is better than one hour of Elam Haba. One hour of Torah Mitzvah. If we'd really, really, if we'd really understand this, we'd possibly be grabbing Torah Mitzvah wherever we could. One hour of Torah Mitzvah is better than the whole Elam Haba. But how does that make sense? And the mission itself over there says that Yafeshah Achas shall kairas ruach Haba, the one hour of pleasure in, that, in the next world, is better than the entire pleasure in this world. One hour pleasure in Elam Haba is better than everything here. So what does it mean that one hour here is better? I'll tell you, Mitzvah is better than Elam Haba. That's a nice shot, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say that. 
It says one hour of Torah mitzvahs over here is better than the whole Elam Haba. That's what it says. And it means that. In other words, in terms of the pleasure, you can get an Elam Haba that you're going to experience. Elam Haba is much greater. But Elam Haba, what does it say about Elam Haba? But what is the pleasure in Elam Haba? Is that we bask in the radiance of Hashem. We enjoy our relationship with Hashem. That's the, the, the pleasure that we take in understanding Hashem. That's what they do. They understand Hashem. It's something we can't relate to, really. To understand that this is the greatest pleasure is understanding Hashem. But uh, there are a lot of things we can't relate to. We're in physical bodies. Just like a blind person can't relate to colors, we can't relate to the pleasure in El Maba. But we know that it's a pleasure which is incredible. At the same time, however, it is impossible for any creation. Even from the higher worlds, to understand all they can understand is some sort of ray that extends from Hashem. That's why it says that what does they take pleasure in? Ziv. And what does Ziv mean? The radiance. The radiance. Not Hashem Himself. Because the Hashem Himself no one can grasp. But Hashem Himself, no one can understand, no mind can understand, can grasp Hashem, not in this world and not in any world. The only way that the, that someone can grasp Hashem, the only way that you can connect and with Hashem, Hashem Himself, the very essence of Hashem, is when Hashem is found as 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 Hashem is found in Teira Mitzvahs Azayit Fisa Bahen, then you're grasping Hashem, umislabeshes ba'kadosh baruch hu mamish, and you're being enclosed by the Eibushter himself. The Raisa ve'kuchabricho kulachad, because Hashem and Teira is one. When I'm learning Teira, I'm connecting to Hashem himself. When I do a mitzvah, I'm connecting to Hashem himself. And that's the. The deeper meaning of schar mitzvah, mitzvah, the reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah. You know, imagine, imagine a person comes up with the cure for cancer, the cure. Uh, uh, what's it called? A new immunization that takes a vaccine. A vaccine. There you go. A vaccine. There's no more cancer in this world, and it's successful. It's proven. It's tried. And he gets the Nobel Prize for it. And he's taken, where is it, in Sweden? Where is it given out? In Sweden. And he's taken to Sweden. And he's standing there on the stage and he's getting his prize. How anticlimactic is the prize? The prize is almost meaningless. How can you compare the prize that he gets with what he actually did? What? You can't be. The prize is what he did. You're going to give a prize. Not, not that, that's not a prize. You're going to give a prize for that. It's silly. In a way, it's silly you're going to give a prize for that. Because nothing can match the, benefits. the pleasure of and, the, be, and the, 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 the satisfaction of that itself. Mm-hmm. Schar mitzvah mitzvah means you're going to go to Elam Haba to get your schar. You know what? You're going to go to, you're going to get to Elam Haba and you know what you're going to find out over there. That the biggest reward was what you accomplished when you did the mitzvah and connected Hashem. Because you can't do that there. In terms of pleasure, the pleasure there is unbelievable and great and incredible. That's the pleasure. But in terms of in terms of the magnitude of the accomplishment, 
And if someone, if what you're looking to do is to connect to Hashem, that's the mitzvah. That's the Torah. Nothing can compare to that. Inside. And even though the Torah is dressed in physical garments, in other words, the Torah as it is in its essence, isn't as we mentioned, isn't about oxes and and uh, and donkeys and all the other physical things that we have, but everything started in spiritual, and then it devolved and devolved till it becomes the physical Torah that we have. Says This is, for example, like someone who hugs the king. It makes no difference. In other words, if you're looking, looking in terms of the closeness and connection to the king, it makes no difference. If the king is hugging you, if you're hugging the king and the king is wearing one garment, whether he's wearing many garments. In other words, imagine, does it make a difference whether it's summer or the winter? You say like this, I'm hugging the king in the summer, so he's only wearing a t-shirt, so I'm close to the king. I'm hugging him in the winter because he's also wearing a jacket and a coat, so I don't have that closeness. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Why? All that counts is the fact that the body of the king is inside there. And the same thing is with the Torah. The same thing if the king is hugging you. Even though that the, there might be a sleeve and another sleeve, it makes no difference. Because the king is in there. And the same thing is in Torah. Even though that the Torah that we have um, is it's in several garments, it's not the the way it started off originally, it makes no difference. The king is inside there. So when we're hugged by the king, when we're learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, it makes no difference how many garments there is. The main thing is that the king is inside there. Kameshikosov says in the Pasuk, that I am hugged by Hashem's right arm. How, how are we hugged? This is a reference to Torah. Which was given from Hashem's right hand. Right? That the Ebishter's kindness is chesed and maim, as we mentioned earlier, the Torah is compared to water, and that comes from the right hand. And we have a few minutes left, so we'll t- I'll give up a little vart on the parsha, which is somewhat related to something we're talking about. It says in this week's parsha, it says, Vayavidu Mitzrayim as B'nai Yisrael Befarach, that the Egyptians made the Jewish people they made them work b'farach. What does the word b'farach mean? What is b'perach? That's the medrash. But what does b'farach literally mean? Hard work. Hard work. Well, yeah, because the word perach means uh, it's the same thing. Uh, work that breaks you. But there is a halachic definition for perach. Because according to halacha, you're not allowed to um, give avidas perach to an evidivri. What is the what is the what? Right. So so the Rambam says, what is the definition of b'farach? He says, mm-hmm. which means two uh, two um, two conditions. It's a work that is endless, right? It has no uh, goal, any objective, right? and it's pointless. It's pointless. The Nazis, Yimach Shemam, that's what they were doing. They were telling you to take the rocks up and take them down, take them up. There is no end to it, and there is no and there is no point to it. Right. So the, the, the Mitzrayim did the same thing. They made the Yidin work with Farah. And that's very, um, 
and they're connected. When something has no goal, has no point, has no tiyala, so therefore in la kitzvah, it also has no end. But when something has a goal, so that it has an end, the two are, uh, are interconnected. When something has a goal, so it ends when that goal is reached. So the Mitzrim says, Vayividu b'nei Yisrael Mitzrayim b'farach l'yidin. The Mitzrim made the Yidin work b'farach. They gave him this work which was endless and pointless. Because the point wasn't any objective. The point was to make them work. And it says, Vayimadaru es chayehem. The next words are in the Pasuk that they made bitter their lives. What is the life of a Yid? The life of a Yid is the Neshama. They embittered their Neshamas. How did they embitter their Neshamas? So there's a beautiful, a beautiful explanation from the Rebbe on this. The Rebbe says like this. The MS is that all work in this world in, um, in Elam Haza has to have a kitzvah has to have a point and an end. And sometimes we make the mistake that when we're working, we're thinking that, uh, you know, we're going to work endless hours and there is no end to it and we think that we'll make more money that way and that's ridiculous and that's silly. Because the Eberster is the one that uh, predetermines and decides how much we're going to earn. So therefore our work has to have a kitzvah, it has to have an end, and it has to have a point, and that's it. Where is their legitimate avodah she'in la kitzvah ve'inotiyalas? Where is their legitimate work which has no point? Sorry, which has no end and has no point. That's the neshama. That's the domain of the neshama. When we serve Hashem, it's avodah she'in la kitzvah, there is no end to it. there is no point to it. Because we're not doing it for any point. We're not trying to derive any toyalas. We're not uh, trying to derive any benefit or gain from it. And that's what the, and that is the neshama. If you go to the neshama and you ask it, what do you want? It says, My deepest desire is to serve Hashem in a way that has no end and no objective, just to serve Hashem. And when the Mitzrim took that and they transferred it in Olam Haza, and they made the... So they embittered the neshamas because they're stealing. This is an that belongs to the neshama. And when a yid is made to use this type of work in Olam Haza that embitters the neshama, the neshama is saying, why are you, why are you encroaching on my domain when is mine? And this is really connected to what we're talking about over here. And in our life also, we have to be careful that when we work, that the work doesn't become work we have to realize the only thing in life that has no no end and no objective is Torah Mitzvahs. Everything else has to have an end and a very clearly defined objective, and that's all. <clears throat> and that's very uh, connected to talking about, we we're talking here about the the, 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 the Nefesh Alikis. That's really talking about the Levushim. And um, it's desire to do Mitzvahs. And it's desire to do Mitzvahs not because it's going to get into Elam, into Elam Haba, because as we see already, Elam Haba is, uh, in a, to a certain extent, it's a downgrade. In other words, in terms of the pleasure that you get there and the spiritual experiences, it's, to say it's an upgrade is an understatement of the century. In other words, it's an upgrade. It's a, you can't compare. But in terms of the importance of our work over here, in terms of being able to connect Hashem, that's over here, that's in this world, it has no tielas, it has no kitzvah, and that's our Aveda, and that's the pleasure of our Neshama.